Welcome to the 13th podcast in our series, Life in the Time of Coronavirus. Here, Ramon Amaro, lecturer in the History of Art Department at UCL, discusses the development of algorithms by IT giants in relation to COVID-19. Amaro considers the logics by which these algorithms work, as well as the perceived need for massive data collection and rapid response. He also looks at the associated problems such as data accuracy, breaches of privacy, surveillance, the potential biopolitical uses of data in the aftermath of the pandemic, and the interconnections between testing, trading, and commerce. Earlier this year, Damo Academy, the research unit of Chinese multinational technology company Alibaba announced the release of an AI system for the diagnosis of coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. The system is said to detect COVID-19 in patient-computed tomography, or CT scans, with 96% accuracy over ordinary viral pneumonia. The algorithm was trained with sample data from over 5,000 confirmed coronavirus cases, as well as data on treatment guidelines in recently published health studies. The algorithm was first released to medical professionals in Kiboshan Hospital in the Zhengzhou province of China, with plans for adoption across additional provinces. In addition to great accuracy, the new algorithm is said to complete the virus detection process in 20 seconds or under, compared to 5 to 15 minutes it would take a doctor to analyze more than 300 images in a CT scan. Alibaba is among many tech companies, from AlphaGo's DeepMind to surveillance company Blue Dot, that are rapidly developing new machine learning and artificial intelligence algorithms for COVID-19 patient diagnoses. These algorithms are in addition to the creation of so-called smart devices, such as the Kinza Thermal Scan 5 Ear Smart Thermometer, an app which combine user temperature readings with other user-generated data to signal real-time detection. And, as co-founder Inder Singh says, real-time response. The Thermal Scan device for COVID-19 is powered by a repurposed algorithm that was originally developed to predict and detect the spread of the traditional flu virus. Damo admits that it is presently using a repurposed machine learning algorithm that was originally developed uh, as a public health service app to answer public questions about the SARS virus and its spread. DeepMind has announced that they are releasing a new version of the AlphaFold system to help detect protein structures that can promote research around COVID-19. Toronto-based health surveillance company Blue Dot Surveillance is also compiling data from various online sources, including airline flight information, to make predictions on where the coronavirus might spread next. Since times, facial recognition algorithms are being used to scan the faces of people wearing masks to help promote contactless identification of suspected carriers. Uh, the since-time temperature detection algorithm has always already been deployed in underground train stations, schools, and other public places in and around Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen. Due to the time sensitivity of the COVID-19 pandemic, the scientific community has, in response, built on decades of research, 
organized around the sharing of open access data, as well as computationally predicted data structures. However, traditional peer review and verification processes are being circumvented in order to contribute to a larger global scientific effort. Normally, we'd wait to publish this work until it has been peer reviewed for an academic journal, states the DeepMind blog. The protein structures predicted in our latest version of AlphaFold, quote, have not been experimentally verified, yet they, quote, hope they may contribute to the scientific community's interrogation of how the virus functions and serve as a hypothesis generation platforms for future experimental work in developing therapeutics, end quote. While data and machine learning have been readily enlisted to accelerate COVID-19 detection and response, they are limited in taking a predominantly algorithmic approach to public health. Research suggests that humans may be slower at detecting the virus, but faster than algorithms at recognizing the significance of its circulation. This is because there are inconsistencies in how different early disease detection organizations report medical data. According to Nita Madov, CEO of San Francisco-based disease monitoring firm Metabiota, these inconsistencies can lessen the accuracy of an algorithm's performance, particularly those that use natural language processing to scan online text, social media posts, and medical case studies. Madoff suggests that low data quality can potentially confuse algorithms and skew outbreak predictions. As a result, humans are included in the process to ensure that the data is reviewed properly. This warning is in response to Google's flu trend service, which is perhaps one of the most significant cases of bias hypothesis generation. In 2008, Google launched flu trends to detect flu outbreaks by looking for patterns in web search data, such as queries about flu symptoms in browsers. The service was heavily criticized for overestimating the number of occurrences of the virus. Flu trends was subsequently discontinued and its technology was given over to nonprofit organizations to help them build their own models. However, it is unknown, at least to the public, how much of these data were kept by Google for non-therapeutic uses. At risk in the increased demand for vital statistics are issues of privacy, most significantly, how the consolidation of personal data might result in increased centralization of surveillance technologies. Data consolidation is data that's generated from many disparate sources and in various different formats. These data are collected from any available source and not limited to any specific time, location, or purpose. Data consolidation as such offers important benefits and the race for COVID-19 detection and prevention, making it easier to access, manipulate, and analyze a greater set of data. In one sense, data consolidation adds value, affirmative value, by achieving enormous time savings, decreased costs, and higher algorithmic efficiency. On the other hand, data consolidation is an irreversible process. Once personal data is consolidated into new algorithmic training sets, they lose their original context and become part of new software scripting. Scripts, in this sense, can, um, as stated previously, be repurposed for surveillance algorithms that extend well beyond their original context, in this case, the tracking of COVID-19. 
in, in efforts to solve one contextual machine learning problems, the champions of any new consolidated data pipeline, you know, for instance, Google DeepMind, uh, Domo Academy, or even government security agencies might claim proprietary ownership over our personal data uh, well beyond the immediate COVID-19 effects. Even if data are released to the public, as open source, ownership of these data sets are most often transferred under existing claims of proprietary right. Privacy ag advocates Latanya Sweeney and Ji Su Yu argue that although personal medical data is considered highly sensitive information in many countries, these data are vulnerable to breaches in privacy and security. Despite any claims of reasonable protection, it is imperative that we consider what literal traces of life might be left behind after COVID-19. It would be foolish to speculate on any certain outcome of what could very well be one of the most comprehensive consolidations of personal data in human history. It remains to be seen if any approach to social investigation during this crisis will materialize into more concentrated modes of governance or if individual and collective lives as they, as they are might reinforce existing notions of different forms of political and economic value that are situated beyond the specificity of the crisis at hand. This is not to undermine the need for more advanced solutions. I'm going to make that clear, particularly to local and government health crises. And at this time, as we know, you know, there is an unprecedented expansion of life-threatening pathogens that need to be addressed. But we do carry a responsibility to actively promote the value of individual and collective life at the same time, which may require the amplification and expansion of local and systemic efforts. Within our new, more concentrated assemblage of data, disease, and human abstraction are traces of historical methods of social investigation that attempt to reimagine life and death as phenomena that are motivated by the empirical imaginary. This imaginary has, in many instances, produced alternative sets of human values organized around the centralization of power and the exercise of social falsification. These warnings are even more urgent, considering our local and national efforts to mitigate COVID-19. For instance, the UK Department of Health and Social Care, DHSC, which is responsible for government policy on health and adult, and adult social care matters, and they're the overseers, of course, of the National Health Service, NHS, has issued a five-pillar testing strategy to understanding trends and risks to public health so as to control and prevent the spread of the virus. Um, those pillars include, one, the scaling up of NHS swap testing for those in medical need, two, mass swap testing for critical key workers, three, mass antibody testing to help determine immunity, four, surveillance testing to learn more about the disease, and five, spearheading a diagnostic national effort to build a mass testing uh, capacity. Concerning Pillar 4 specifically, which is the surveillance testing to learn more about the disease, the Department of Health and Social Care states that, quote, robust population surveillance programs are essential to understand the rate of infection and how the virus is spreading across the country. 
They help us to assess the impact of measures taken so far to contain the virus, to inform current and future actions, and to develop new tests and treatments." Close quote. It is important to consider that part of this robust population surveillance program is a mandate that GPs or general practitioners share confidential coronavirus patient information with the UK government. GPs are asked to adhere to data protection regulations, uh, quote, within reason, to support the Secretary of State's response to COVID-19. Government-approved IT contractors, uh, TPP, which runs a health service app, and EMIS, a clinical support system, which is also contracted with the NHS, are also asked to share consenting patients' data with the UK Biobank Project, uh, which is a national international health research repository established in cooperation between the UK government and various health research foundations. Although GPs are asked to keep records of all the data processed under the mandates, it is, it is unclear where this data will be stored, how this data will be used post-virus, and under what conditions these data might be subject to privacy agreements of external organizations. These types of swift movements to consolidate data by agencies such as DHSC risk leaving open future gaps in data privacy while also centralizing the patient data into government forecasting efforts. Nonetheless, it is premature to speculate on how these new insights might impact the future of social living, economic, or political life. However, it must be asked whether the risks involved outweigh the immediacy of the current health crises, and if so, what traces of political economic speculation based on our intimate medical data might be left behind. Although reasonable efforts to secure information seem to remain a priority, history has shown that what might appear to be steps towards the immediacy of crisis mitigation may lead to the propagation of something far more widespread than the contemporary biological virus. And in this way, we find ourselves in a unique situation where the clock is ticking and we have a time-sensitive issue, a pandemic that's spreading throughout the globe, and we have a highly functioning set of computational tools which are being enacted to respond at the same type of temporality, if not exceeding our own capabilities to assess the problematic. This is all to say that it is even more important that we pay close attention to how the mitigation of these immediate crises might have long-term impacts, and especially something that is not always tangible and visible, such as our very personal and intimate data, particularly medical data, and how it might live on in different purposes, different contexts, for different uses, well beyond any type of individual or collective health concern. Thank you for listening. Do send us your feedback and proposals at a.renchat at ucl.nc.uk and find more talk pieces in the Institute of Advanced Studies website or your podcast app. Music is by Small House in the BBC Sound Archive. Communications are by Patricia Mascarell-Lombard. Production and edition are by me, Albert Benchatelar 
and executive producers that are gone. Look after yourselves and others. See you soon.